Hello, and welcome to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Harless. And I'm your other host, Natalie. This is typically the podcast where we recap fiction stories from Magic the Gathering and add our own flavor text, but today is a little bit different. You see, I am sick as all get out, and I'm having a hard time uh, keeping my voice without coughing. So today, I am going to do something a little different. I'm challenging Natalie to tell me the entire Phyrexian arc in 30 minutes. Let's see if she can do it. This is going to be a challenge, but I'm up for it. I think I can do it. I'm so ready. I know you can do this, Natalie. It's going to be awesome. Okay. All right. Well, join us, everybody, as we head into the multiverse. Okay, Natalie, what are the perimeters that you have set for yourself for this challenge? Okay, so I am going to try and recap seasons one, two, three, and four on the Magic Story podcast, which is, if you recall, season one was Dominaria United. Season two was The Brothers War. Season three was Phyrexia All Will Be One. And season four was March of the Machine. And that is what we are referring to as the Phyrexian invasion or the Phyrexian arc, which kind of changed everything in the multiverse. 100%. So what you will not hear is anything prior to DMU. We're not going to talk about anything we didn't go over in the podcast. We're not going to, even though there were some sprinklings of the Phyrexian invasion in Kaldheim, there were some sprinklings of the Phyrexian invasion in Strixhaven, there were some sprinkles in New Capenna, but we are going to start with it really kicking off hard with Dominaria. And when I think of Dominaria, Natalie, the first thing that comes to mind is your favorite planeswalker, our buddy Karn. <laughs> yeah, so Karn kind of takes the center stage in Dominaire United. He's our primary character who's kind of going to be the catalyst for everything that's going to happen in the Phyrexian invasion going forward. So recap, way, 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 way back. Let's rewind back into episode one of Dominaria United. We are introduced to Karn, who is our golem planeswalker. He's kind of made of metal. He's huge, but he's really good friends with many of our human planeswalkers. And he is searching for evidence of what's called a Phyrexian on Dominaria. Dominaria is a plane in the multiverse and a Phyrexian is kind of a biomechanical creature that was supposedly destroyed prior to the events of Dominaria United. Karn doesn't believe that they're all the way gone because a little bit of a lore here, Karn accidentally created the Phyrexians long, 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 long time ago. Oopsie. Whoopsie. And the Phyrexians are very dangerous. They are a hive-minded sort of species that wants to essentially assimilate and dominate the multiverse um, with their collective ideal. They infect other organics and even non-organics with something called the glistening oil. And once you come into contact with this glistening oil, you become Phyrexianized. Um, you become, you kind of lose sense of who you are and you become, you, you join the fold of Phyrexia, like glory to Phyrexia. That's all that kind of matters to new Phyrexia, the Phyrexians. And so Karn is searching for evidence. He believes that the Phyrexians aren't gone. He does find evidence and he happens to run across none other than Shieldred. And Shieldred is a praetor, very, very dangerous one. And she has somehow been warped onto Dominaria and is nesting here like a giant spider and basically has 
scattered Phyrexian influence all over the multiverse. So a couple things uh, of note there. Just I'm going to add in some flavor here. Karn, of course, does this alone. He does not tell anyone where he's going. And he's in a bad spot the second he finds Shieldred. Like he thinks, you know, no one really believes me. I'm going to go find this evidence out for myself. And when he gets there and he is confronted with none other than Shieldred, who is a praetor. And a praetor, of course, is kind of like a Phyrexian general. Once you're a praetor, you kind of can call your own shots a little bit, which is really interesting because like Natalie mentioned, it's a hive mind. So you're kind of trusted with that hive intelligence to interpret it, but like tell people what they need to do <laughs> um, yeah. with the gospel of Phyrexia. Exactly. exactly. They kind of help command the greater colony, right? If you want to think of it yeah. as a beehive, right? These are kind of uh, these are kind of commanders that are telling all of the other worker bees what to do. That's a praetor. Yeah. All right. What's next, Natalie? So moving forward in, into the finale of what was Dominaria United um, in episode five. So Karn, in addition to searching for proof of Phyrexia or Phyrexian influence somewhere in the multiverse, which he does in the form of Shieldred, he is also searching for the key to how to operate an artifact called the Silex. He has the Silex, which is kind of like a bowl-shaped artifact, and it's supposed to be really, really powerful, like otherworldly powerful, um, the Silex is. and But he doesn't know how to operate it. And Karn is trying to find the secret to how to operate the Silex because he knows that the Silex is probably the only thing that could destroy Phyrexia for forever. And why is the Silex so destructive? Well, that's because Urza himself originally created the Silex. And Urza, if you don't know, like just think of him as like the ultimate tinkerer. He was able to create all kinds of constructs and artifacts in his time. Super powerful artifacts. Yeah, so powerful. Like he created a lot of really bad things like the Silex, which is capable of like entire multiverse destruction. Yeah. And so no big deal. So no big deal. And also to to explain how powerful Urza was, Urza is Karn's creator from thousands of years ago. So that's how powerful Urza was, is that he created a being like Karn who we are following now. So we have this whole mystery of the Silex. Like Karn has the Silex and he has kind of boxed it into one of his kind of metal creations to keep it safe, but he has no idea how to operate it. He has no idea even how to use it or how to use it against the Phyrexians. So he's trying to figure out that mystery. And in the finale of Dominaria United, they are aboard a different giant artifact called the Mana Rig. And this is where Shieldred brings her Phyrexianized forces into a full-scale battle on the Mana Rig. So there's Karn, there's his good friend Ajani, who is a Leonin planeswalker. He has Jaya alongside of him. He's got other sorcerers like Joda and uh, Joyra, and there's a whole slew, and Teferi, there's a whole slew of, of allies alongside Karn who are going to fight against Shieldred. And it kind of comes to a head on the mana rig. Lots happens in this scene. First, first, we find out that a Johnny, Karn's really good friend and Leonin Planeswalker, was a sleeper agent the whole time. And as Harla said before, a sleeper agent is someone who is influenced by Phyrexia and doesn't know it. So Ajani had been spying for Phyrexia this whole time, for Shieldred, and he kind of reveals himself 
in his Phyrexianized form on top of the mana rig as soon as Karn brings out the Silex. Um, and this is when Jaya steps forward. Jaya is a pyromancer, super powerful. We love Jaya. Chandra's mentor. Chandra's I mean, that's mentor. That's how powerful she is, yeah. right? Like yeah. she taught Chandra how to use fire magic and how to control her fire magic. Yeah. So Jaya is Jaya is an incredible character, um, and she steps forward to try and uh, obtain the Silex back from Phyrexianized Johnny. Um, and Ajani throws her over the uh, over the edge of the mana rig, and we never see or hear from her again. So we lose Jaya in this moment. Ugh. I know it's it's it still it still hurts. So it still hurts. It still hurts. It's so sad. Like losing such an influential female character is hard. Jaya really represented I think I think like a maternal figure for a lot of planeswalkers especially Chandra and so her loss is just absolutely devastating to the planeswalkers and you know before they get here on the mana rig they've all been working together with Karn to like okay we're just going to put it into shielded here and now and they're like there's no way we can lose we got this guys but that is not how things go. Yeah. And, and then, then a Johnny sleeper agent, Phyrexianized, kills Jaya. Joya sets off the mana rig. So the mana rig self-destructs. It's the only way to save them because Shieldred is upon them. I mean, Shieldred has a whole army of Phyrexians coming for them and they cannot survive if, if they don't set off the mana rig. So Joya sets off the mana rig. Joda helps the others escape, including Joyra and Teferi and some of the others. But Karn doesn't. Karn isn't able to escape. He is locked in battle with Ajani. And so he is there when the mana rig dis, like is self-destructs and blows up. And so at the end of at the end of Dominaria United, we're left with a lot of questions because we see Teferi, who is our time warping planeswalker who is able to manipulate time. He is with Sahili, who we had mentioned earlier. And they are going to this mysterious tower to figure out how to unlock the, quote, mysteries of the past. We have no idea what they're doing at the end of Dominaria United, but we will get back to that in just a moment with Brothers War. Karn, meanwhile, wakes up after the mana rig was completely destroyed, and he is in New Phyrexia, which is a different plane, and he is alongside a praetor, named Elish Norn. And Elish Norn is going to be our big bad for the rest of the Phyrexian invasion. Elish Norn is a praetor who has a lot of influence and she has a grand ambitious idea for how she is going to completely dominate the multiverse and take it over in the form of a version of the world tree that she is calling Realmbreaker. And the world tree is a massive tree from the realm of call time that has the ability to kind of bridge planes, like bridge through the blind eternities of the multiverse and kind of go to all these different planes. She has created a twisted version of it, and it's just a little seedling next to Karn. And Elish Norn is calling this her weapon, and this is going to be her mode of being able to take over the multiverse. So... That's how we leave it off in season one. And diving into season two, uh, the season two covered the set called The Brothers War. And we immediately have like a pretty big tone shift here. But when we start off that season, it's already pretty interesting because we're following two timelines. Yeah. So The Brothers War is split into two different time periods. 
One takes place many, many thousands of years into the past of what we know is the current age with Karn and the other planeswalkers fighting against Shieldred. Like that's happening in one time zone. Mm -hmm. The past takes place thousands of years ago in the age of Urza. We are we are witnessing the wake of an event called the Brothers War. Urza and his brother Mishra had been at war with each other and completely decimated Dominaria. It, it completely ruined the plane. And, and Mishra is Urza's brother. And uh, we don't really know what happened to, to make them so angry at each other. We, we kind of had to read between the lines, but they are extremely angry at each other. And they essentially create trench warfare with each other using these artificed constructs, these robotic constructs of both sides kind of going to war with each other. Through all of this, we are following that, that past time um, during the Brothers War. But we are also following the present time with like where just after the mana rig had self-destructed and and we are back with our planeswalkers and we meet up with Teferi and Sahili who are in Urza's tower and they're in Urza's tower this this ancient giant spire kind of in the middle of Dominaria in the middle of nowhere it's kind of been abandoned really hidden yeah it's like it's been abandoned for a really long time but they are I remember specifically on that that part that Teferi said that it was standing by sheer luck. Yes. Like it yes. was so well hidden that nobody had just found it just by pure luck. Like no one had managed to find it and it's still standing. And they're like, you know what? This is our home base. We're yep. going to use this because they're trying to hide. They're years, trying to hide from the yeah. Frexians, right? They know that the Frexians are gunning for them. You know, like Shieldred had just almost succeeded in wiping them all out. So they're trying to hide to figure out a plan. And Teferi's plan is to, because he's a time mage, He's going to go back in time to the events of the Brothers War and figure out what happened because Urza, once upon a time, had, quote unquote, annihilated the Phyrexians. He wasn't fully successful, obviously, because the Phyrexians are still alive and still they're here. They're here you know? <laughs> but Urza had almost succeeded in in decimating the Phyrexians. And Teferi is trying to figure out how. How did he do this with this artifact called the Silex? How did he operate it? How did it work? And how can they use a new Silex now that Sahili has recreated one because she's that awesome as an artificer? How can they use that as a weapon against the Phyrexians now? That's what they're trying to figure out. Which is very interesting because if you'll remember what Natalie just said, the Silex completely annihilated the Phyrexians the first time, supposedly, which means that this is a very destructive artifact that is extremely powerful. And the fact that Teferi is willing to go back in time, which he does not do, right? He does not go back and change the future. He does not go back. And like, that's something that's very important to Teferi is he's not going to go back and like change things because that's not how life works, right? He can't go back and fix every little thing. First of all, he'd never stop. And there's no perfect answer forward, right? Like that's a that's a riddle right there. That That's a cycle you could get sucked into really fast. And so he's stayed away from that. But here he's like, you know what? This is important enough for me to break my own rules. And so for him to break his own rules, you know, it's serious. You know, it's big, big time. Yeah, like this is this is kind of last resort. And, and it just goes yeah. to show like that in itself goes to show how powerful they now believe the Phyrexian threat to be to the multiverse. Mm -hmm. um, and 
Granted, at this point in time, Teferi doesn't know that it's Elish Norn behind all of this. Teferi doesn't know that Realmbreaker exists. Only Karn knows this at this point. Yep. And Karn is separated from everyone, so he they don't can't even know if Karn's alive at this point. No. Yeah. We do as readers, but no one else does. And so they're they're operating off the idea that they've lost Jaya and Karn. Yep. And, and Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. And so they know that this is this is serious. They need to do something. And Teferi and Sahili and among others, Kaya is with them. Elspeth is with them. Nissa is with them. There's a lot of other planeswalkers that were introduced to in this season who's helping kind of they're kind of coming together at Urza's Tower as like this secret base to try and figure out how to fight back. You know, how do they stand up against this Phyrexian threat? How do they tell everyone the multiverse, this this reality? So this is what they're trying to come up with in a, in a plan. So Teferi keeps going back in time, trying to figure out the correct moment that Urza uses the Silex and quote unquote destroys Phyrexia. And as he's going back, we as readers get visuals of the Brothers War itself into this trench warfare. It's just bleak. It's horrible what Urza and Mishra had put Dominaria through all those thousands of years ago. And it's a really interesting tone in that, you know, Urza is idolized as this, the, the father of planeswalkers and the greatest artificer to ever live. And like, there's so much glory around Urza's name, but we're seeing the dark side to, to kind of Urza and Mishra's greed back in the day and, and how much that cost Dominaria as well. Now, Magic has visited the Brothers War before, right? In the 90s, we released the first set, the Brothers War. And this is our second time going back to it. And this time, we really allowed our fans to see what this did to regular citizens on Dominaria. How everyone from young up-and-coming soldiers to hardened mercs really had to deal with this and had to come to terms with the fact that their whole lives in some cases had been devoted to this war and they had never known like life without this war. But I want to talk about a shining moment in all of that when Teferi goes back in time, because my favorite part of the story is when Teferi accidentally goes back in time and freaks out (laughs) the leader of (laughs) like a clan. (laughs) And the guy thinks he's like this big, bad, tough guy. And he keeps seeing Teferi show up in his room as a ghost. And uh, Teferi freaks him out, like, to the point where he literally goes crazy and stops being a tyrant to all these people. I remember that scene. It's <laughs> my favorite part. Yeah, I remember that scene. It's, it's so just good. like, in, it's like one of the only humorous moments amidst this yeah. really, really dark set and story. Anyway, sorry, yeah. Natalie. No. Start the clock again. It's, it's all back good. to you. <laughs> it's all good. So, um... <laughs> And as as Harla said, this moment is going to be a, a reprieve and a little bit of light in what will be very dark events that happen at the end of the Brothers War. So Teferi keeps trying to go back in time and he fails. He can't find the time. And he describes go, keep trying to keep going back as kind of tearing his soul apart. Every time he goes back in time, it is excruciating for him and he feels farther away from himself. And it's like trying to navigate this fabric of reality with a bunch of holes that represent death. And like he cannot find this part where Urza sets off the Silex. That's what he's trying to find. And he can't find it. He can't find it. He keeps failing. And meanwhile, in the present time, the Phyrexians find Urza's tower. And the Phyrexians descend on Urza's tower in this epic battle at the end of this set where the other planeswalkers, including Elspeth, Nyssa and Ren have to defend the tower. 
while Teferi, like they have to buy Teferi as much time as they possibly can, which means they are alone in fighting against an entire Phyrexianized Legion. But thankfully, Elspeth was preparing for this. Yes. Right. And this is and this is where we get to see Elspeth shine for the first time. Yay. And Elspeth is a white aligned planeswalker. She's super powerful. And she has seen battle with the Phyrexians before. Like, this is not new to her. She was actually imprisoned by the Phyrexians when she was younger. So this battle is... She was is, a child. She was a child in Phyrexian yeah. Claws. So this this battle is particularly personal to her. And she defends Urza's tower with her life. She, um, she has been preparing for this. And we see her shine as a battle commander during this battle. And she, Nyssa, Ren, a few other planeswalkers defend and fight against these Phyrexians while Teferi is struggling to find this past moment with Urza. Teferi does finally find Urza at the moment that he is using the Silex. And it turns out it's not a mechanism. It's not a spell. It's not anything that would be tangible or usable in the present time. It is simply a person in that moment of operating the Silex with like and and Urza was kind of using his own blood in order to in order to activate this artifact and letting it fall into the bowl. It's a person with a desperate mindset um, that unlocks the Silex. Like that's what makes the Silex detonate. And so when Teferi finds this out, he's kind of at a loss where he's realizing, OK, it's, it's not as simple as just unlocking it. it. There has to be a specific mindset and, and, and place and time in order to use this thing which does not help our current planeswalkers in their predicament against the Phyrexians. No, they want a button they can push. And yeah. you know what I mean? And like there's no want, button. Yeah. There's no button. Yeah, yeah. So ultimately, Teferi is kind of cast adrift into time. Um, what happens is that this, the being there in, in the moment where Urza detonates the Silex, cast Teferi away into a deeper part of the multiverse. And we don't really know what happens to Teferi at this time, we worry the worst, right? He he was in the full blast of the of the Silex, so we fear the worst. And the our planeswalkers back in the current time, trying to defend Urza's tower, have uh, are are kind of enable an impasse with with the Phyrexians. They're able to kind of hold them off, but they realize that they have to abandon Urza's tower. They have to regroup elsewhere. So Nissa, Ren, Elspeth, Jace, Chandra, all these people who are now having to figure out what to do now with this Silex that they have created and don't know how to use and what their next plan will be. So that's how we actually leave season two with the Brothers War, is that we find out the secret, quote unquote, of the Silex, but it's not useful. And our planeswalkers are now without Teferi and they don't know what to do. (laughs) They have to formulate a plan. So fast forward to Phyrexia, all will be one season three. Boy, oh boy, was this a season. (laughs) <laughs> oh man, things get real, real quick. Like, it feels like a normal, honestly, like it feels like a normal planeswalker encounter up until this moment to me. Because, yeah, they deal with stuff like this all the time, right? Like, they deal with big bads, they deal with crazy artifacts, they deal with having to solve complex problems. But when we get to a whole be one, all the the rule books, all the the like. And by rule books, I mean like the rule books of warfare, right? That they have been abiding mm-hmm. by are thrown out the window yeah. because uh, Phyrexia doesn't play fair. Phyrexia they don't share their toys on the playground yeah. very well. Yeah. So at the beginning of season three, 
we realize that our planeswalkers plans are to go to new Phyrexia itself and try to get into the heart of where Elish Norn is and detonate somehow the Silex that they have. And it's basically this eclectic group of planeswalkers who come together and kind of it's like it's like a group of like, I want to say maybe 10 or so planeswalkers who are on this super secret mission to sneak into New Phyrexia and just detonate the Silex. That's their plan. And it is. And, and if knowing they don't know how to detonate. Exactly. The Silex, and if you're thinking, <laughs> wait, how are they going to do that? That's exactly the point. No one knows exactly what they're doing. They're just trying to be like, this is a plan. Let's do it. We'll figure it out when we get there. It's a desperate plan. It's a desperate plan. But the the state of the multiverse hangs at a thread right now where we know that Phyrexia is coming. And we know that Elish Norn has the ability with Realmbreaker, the, the, the Planeswalkers know this at this point, they know that she has the ability to trans or like somehow to be able to transcend the Bland Eternities and go into different realms beyond New Phyrexia. They know this. So they are desperate. And at the beginning of Phyrexia All Will Be One, we are introduced to a Planeswalker named Nahiri. And Nahiri is a Lithomancer, meaning she's able to manipulate metals. So here on New Phyrexia, um, which is a plane made made entirely of metal, she is very, very powerful. And she we kind of behind her eyes as they delve into the layers of New Phyrexia. And New Phyrexia is built in kind of spherical layers built on top of one another. They're trying to get into what's called the seed core, which is the very center of this sphere. So if you imagine like New Phyrexia is kind of like a planet that has multiple atmospheres, Those are the layers of New Phyrexia that they're kind of delving through. And it's all made of metal. You know how I think about it, Natalie, is like a jawbreaker. Like a jawbreaker, but there's space in between each layer. Yes. So like imagine like you cut a jawbreaker in half and there's all those different layers of the flavor, but like you can walk between them. Imagine that. That's what New Phyrexia is Exactly. So that's New Phyrexia. New Phyrexia is built in like non-organic, completely metal layers, all like... This is all synthetic and built by Phyrexians over time. And it's all in the core of the planet, too, of the plane, too. Sorry. It's all in the core of the plane. The surface is still what it used to be, which is Mirrodin. Mm -hmm. And they have cored out and dug out the entire inner part of this plane so that they can make it their own city of New Phyrexia. Yeah. Yeah. And so our little little cohort of planeswalkers are trying to get to the seed core and they are trying to evade the eyes of every last Phyrexian, including Elish Norn, who could possibly like they're trying to move quicker than what the Phyrexians can pick up on. And so they are in a race against time. Elspeth is with them. Jace is with them. Chandra is with them. Kaya is with them. We have we have multiple episodes where we see just how Phyrexianized new Phyrexia has become. It's 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 bleak. It's all metal and bone and gross blood. Like like Phyrexia is it's gross of noxious gas that Phyrexianize yeah. you. It's a layer called the Hunter's Maze where you're just chased by like Phyrexianized beasties who just want to be a predator and you their prey. Like it you you wouldn't as a as a little squishy human, you don't stand much chance. This there. place is. Not fun. This place is super not fun. Like the very air is toxic. And immediately, almost immediately, something terrible happens. And that is 
Nahiri gets oil in her wound. Yeah. And that means that she is in a slow descent into Phyrexianization. Yeah. Our metal manipulator is on a plane made entirely of metal, and now she's slowly being taken over to the enemy. Just like our best warrior, Ajani, was taken over to Phyrexia so he could be a warrior for them. Now we're losing Nahiri, and oh, it's just immediately bleak. Yep. And this season goes from bad to worse because a few episodes later, we are in a lair called the Dross Pits. And the Dross Pits is an absolute, like, there's Phyrexians everywhere there's an episode that just starts with the dross pits stink yes so it's and this not, is that episode this place. is that episode that i'm thinking of harless it's like the dross pits are are absolutely horrific and there's there's um this is urabrask's uh layer and urabrask is another praetor like shieldred and jace so we haven't talked about jace yet but jace Jace is our mind mage. He's able to read minds. He's able to manipulate minds. He's able to kind of communicate telepathically. He's an incredibly powerful planeswalker. And he, he has, he's kind of been leading this group through New Phyrexia so far. And he's the one who has the Silex. He's kind of the one that decides if someone has to use it, I will. You know, he's kind of like, he's kind of assumed leadership for better or worse. Mm -hmm. And, but Jace is struggling because he has, he has a lover named Vraska. And Vraska is a Gorgon planeswalker who has, at this point, rumor has it, gone missing. And Jace doesn't know where she's at until they're in the middle of the dross pits and he hears her scream out to him in his mind. And immediately, immediately Jace is going to go to the rescue of his lover, right? Like immediately, like he's not even going to think he's going to immediately go to her. And it's Which a trap. Is so uncharacteristic of Jace. Yeah. Because Jace is like pure logic all the time, all yeah. logic, all the time. If you're not doing the logical thing, Jace thinks you're a ding dong and doesn't want anything to do with you nine times yeah. out of 10, he's right? He's highly logical. Like he's like, I know more than you. Just sit down and let me handle this. Yeah. He's highly <laughs> logical. He does not think with emotions until it comes to Vraska. No. And then all out the window. It's all out the window. So, he impulsively goes to her and and like he's so in love with her. Of course, he's going to go to Vraska and she's screaming to him for help. She's here down here in the dross pitch screaming to him for help. So he goes into this arena that is surrounded by Phyrexians, just watching them enter, by the way. So if that wasn't clue number one that this is a trap, now we know. And Vraska has lured Jace and the other planeswalkers into this arena surrounded by Phyrexians. And it turns out Vraska herself is under the influence of Phyrexia and she has lured him in order to get him close enough for her to influence him with the oil as well. And, uh, and she does. So uh, she tricks Jace into coming closer to her so that she can bring him into the Phyrexianized fold. She's fighting it the whole time. She's fighting she it. She loses. Yeah. And she, she just loses. loses. She can't, Yep. You can't fight yep. Phyrexia. So Jace is infected with the glistening oil. He knows, like Nahiri, he only has so much time left before his mind is lost to Phyrexia. And he kind of says, we need to keep going. We need to keep going into the seed core, detonate the Silex, do what we're here to do. And unfortunately, he has to just leave Frasca behind, you know, at this point. It's like, it's so heartbreaking. This whole episode is just like heart-wrenchingly horrible. Ugh. But Jace is, um, as, as the next episodes kind of reach our finale here of season three, 
Jace is fighting the Phyrexian influence. You can see the fight in him. He is trying to hold off as long as he can while the while he and the other planeswalkers are working towards the sea core. They're so close. They're so close. But Kaya begins to see Jace fall apart. He begins to lose the battle of the Phyrexian part of him inside of him. So they finally make it to the seed core in front of Elish Norn's, you know, this is her home base. This is Elish Norn where she's keeping Realmbreaker. And that's when Jace turns with the Silex in his hand. He doesn't listen to reason and begins to set it off right there. Like because he's being influenced by Phyrexian, he's starting to be desperate. And so he's going to set off the Silex right here, right now. Kaya points out that's a real bad idea. This is a really bad idea. No, they're at the, the seed core, which is like the center of the plane. And they, that's where that realm breaker is, that Phyrexianized realm breaker, that kind of like abomination of a, of a realm breaker. And it has potentially, at this point, they don't know, punched holes in the blind eternities, which is that space in between planes where planeswalkers can travel through, but no one else can. And so if they set off this Silex here at the base of realm breaker, and that detonation travels through the tree. It will destroy the multiverse. The whole multiverse. And Kaya sees this and she's like, buddy, we Jace, can't be doing this. Jace, this is stop, a bad idea. Stop. Yeah. And and Jace, yeah. Jace is a Jace losing battle. Listen. He's becoming Phyrexianized and cannot stop his own actions. And, and so the Silex is going off. There's nothing that they can do. This is also when Phyrexianized Ajani... And a few other Phyrexianized planeswalkers, including Nyssa. Let's like, let's stop there. Including Nyssa, who is our nature mage, like very in tune with different planes. Like she can actually like reach into the plane and speak to the plane, which is so cool. Yeah. Like, that each plane has its own little voice. She is incredibly powerful and had been missing up until now. And so it's revealed that Nyssa is is Phyrexianized along with Ajani, along with many of our other planeswalkers. And now Jace is falling susceptible to it. Phyrexia is winning. And now hope is hope is bleak, right? Like hope is a commodity here because there is not much of it. Yeah. And so we have Kaya left. We have Kaito. We have Tyvar Kel. We have Elspeth, a few other characters who are left surrounded by enemies and their allies are beginning to fall. Elspeth realizes that she needs to act now. And so she takes, she wrestles the Silex out of Jace's hands and then planeswalks away with it. And she disappears into the Blind Eternities with the Silex before it can detonate in front of Realm Breaker and potentially feed through in into other realms. So Elspeth disappears with the Silex. We don't know what happens to her. I'm not crying. You're crying. I didn't yeah. cry yeah. at all during that episode. No, you did. no, I wasn't at, like I wasn't <laughs> nail chewing in, in anxiety through that whole thing. No, no, absolutely. Right. Not. Like RIP my fingernails this entire arc. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so now we have um, those who are left are Kaya, Kaito and Tyvar Kel. And that's it. That's all that's left of our surviving planeswalkers. Brigade yeah. of planeswalkers that came here to yeah. help, to to save the multiverse from Phyrexia. And they are just picked off one by one by one until yep. there are three left. So that's where we left off at the end of season three of Phyrexia All Will Be One. Aptly named Phyrexia All Will Be One. Um, and so we... We move into the finale of the Phyrexian invasion with Phyrexia clearly in the advantage. Elish Norn has Jace, has Nyssa, has Ajani, has practically every planeswalker you could imagine, along with a whole legion of Phyrexian and a realm breaker that can 
breach the blind eternities and connect every realm of the multiverse at her command. She is, she has dominion over the multiverse at the end of Phyrexia All Will Be One. It's a scary moment. It's a big scary moment. So this is where we begin March of the Machine, which was season four. And this was an epic season. It was like, tw- oh my gosh. It, it, so much happens uh, in, in action, 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 romance, destruction, devastation, action, action, action. I mean, it's just nonstop. Like this season was so good. Yep. Yep. And so I'm going to try my best at recapping this as quickly as possible. I'm going to skim over a lot of details of over these battles that happen across the multiverse. So much happens. And who's left is a very, very small band of what is left of the Mirren resistance led by a character named Malira. We have Koth, another planeswalker. We have Kaya, Kaito, Tyvarkel, Chandra, Liliana. Among a few others, but those are the key ones who are left. Oh, and Ren. Can't forget Ren. Can't forget Ren. Who are left that we know of at this point to fight against all of Phyrexia. But what we also know is that half of the planeswalkers that we are like, let's be honest, that I would not want to get into a fight with ever are Phyrexianized right now. And Elish Norn blasphemously, in my opinion, calls them her evangels, which is so icky. And it just kind of opens on this like, hey, I've, you're mine now. I've taken you in. You're an evangel for Phyrexia. And they can't help but be that evangel because they, their mind is completely taken over by Phyrexia. So they can only think what Phyrexia thinks. They can only do what Phyrexia wants them to do. And now we are in a really bad spot. Yeah. The person who kind of takes the lead of this resistance is a planeswalker named Chandra. And Chandra is a pyromancer. She's ambitious. She's hot-headed. She kind of kind of fights first, asks questions later sort of mentality. Yeah. She goes with her gut. I think if there's an opposite to Jace, it's Chandra, right? Like Chandra is like, Jace is like, I am logical and I only do the thing that makes the most sense. And Chandra is like, my gut is telling me to kill you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to think twice. Yeah, Yeah. I'm just going to do it. (laughs) That is very much Chandra. And so, but we need that now. We need Chandra to kind of be impulsive and say, no, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to save the multiverse. You know, and I need her ferocity and her passion. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm not going to ask questions about it. This is this is my quest. Nope. And so she and Ren team up to go back to New Phyrexia and achieve what Kaya and the others had kind of failed to do. How they were going to do that? Good que- question mark. Question mark. But Ren, <laughs> Ren is another planeswalker who is a dryad and has the ability to connect with trees. She can speak hmm. with trees. Sounds sounds useful. And she says that realm breaker, which is a tree, is calling out to her. And so Chandra and Ren have this idea where if Chandra can get Ren to realm breaker, then Ren might be able to bond with that tree and unphyrexianize it. it. Yeah, somehow, yeah. somehow take it back from the Phyrex, take it back from Elish Norn's clutches. An important thing to note here is that Chandra has a soft spot for Anissa. Yeah. In a big way because they are partners they well they're not partners right like they're they're trying to figure out how to be partners and they're not doing a great job at it yeah 
but they care about each other deeply. And Chandra just cannot bring herself to fight against Nyssa. Like she dodges her blows once they get there. She fights back, but she doesn't it's shoot not lethal. anything at Nyssa that could be lethal. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Which means that Chandra as a fire mage is not wanting to hurt Nyssa, even though Nyssa is clearly trying really to trying to them. hurt Chandra. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's throwing everything she's got. And so this this hesitancy on Chandra's part is what leads to Ren's currently bonded tree um, named Seven. Nissa tears Seven apart and 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 kills Seven. Oh, it's brutal. So sad. Dan, like, and this is when they're down in the seed core. They actually manage to get to the center of New Phyrexia, and Nissa's the one to stop them. And so Ren is without a bonded tree, which means as a dryad, she is like really She's weak. She's vulnerable. She's incredibly vulnerable. Yeah. She can't walk. She can't get to Realmbreaker. She physically cannot get to Realmbreaker, even though it is only a few hundred feet away from her. And Chandra is trying to fight off not only Nyssa, but also all these other Phyrexians, including Elish Norn now, who makes an entrance and is trying to stop them from, from achieving their plan. And this is when, this moment, when Chandra is desperate to get Ren to Realmbreaker, to bond with this other tree, is when Elspeth reappears as an angel and she has as an angel she has transformed into an angel her true form turns out this whole time and she collides blades with elish norn and is able to defend chandra and ren with enough time to get ren to Realmbreaker so that ren can bond with this tree and as soon as ren bonds with this tree Realmbreaker, it sort of consumes her you know, like this tree is so massive, so powerful that Ren, Ren can only witness. She's not controlling this tree. This tree is controlling her. And she manages to sprout the the good side of Realmbreaker buried deep under the Phyrexian, hmm. uh, under the Phyrexian shield that had been around the influence. The influence. And that's what she had been hearing was mm-hmm. real Realmbreaker, real true Realmbreaker, not Phyrexianized Realmbreaker, had been calling out to her. And this tree is so young and so fierce and so passionate and so excited about life that it just it just burns it her right up. It burns and, her. It like uh, it consumes her. And yeah. but the good thing about this is that suddenly Ren has this moment, this critical moment. And she's she's naming this good side of Realmbreaker eight. Her her next her her next bonded you know tree eight. It's not Realmbreaker anymore. It's eight. And yeah. Realmbreaker isn't its name. Realmbreaker right. is not its given name. Realmbreaker was given to it by Elish Nord. Right. That is not its true name. And Ren has one moment, this one chance to kind of ask eight to do something. You know, like like before Ren is gone and consumed by the fire that is within eight. She has this moment to make a critical decision. And so she reaches out with Eight's help. She reaches through the blind eternity. She reaches through the multiverse and connects again with a place called Zalfir. And this realm, this this plane had been separated from the rest of the multiverse. And this is where Teferi had gone when he had been and right after the events of the Brothers War, and he had kind of been cast adrift into time, he had been sent back to Zalfir, which is Teferi's homeworld. It's Teferi's homeworld of where he had been a long, long time ago. And he had been 
raising a resistance, an actual physical resistance, an army on Zalfir. Well, Zalfir are warriors, right? Like that's the nature of Zalfir is that they treat war and death like a friend. They treat conflict and war and death as something that should not be feared, but should be understood and should be embraced because it is a part of life. And that makes them so strong. That makes them so powerful because you can't just, you can't tear that psyche down. That psyche, that, that psyche has confronted reality and understands it in full and you're not going to scare them with death because guess what they they've made friends with it they've made peace they're not they're not afraid yep yep and so ren is able to reach out to zalfir and kind of use eight who has the ability to breach the multiverse and bring zalfir back into the fold of the multiverse and trade places with new phyrexia so essentially what she's going to do what with the help of eight is that she's going to bring zalfir back into the fold of the multiverse and cast new Phyrexia into the exile mint that Zalfir was in. And so she succeeds in doing this and that new Phyrexia is kind of swapping places with Zalfir. An epic battle happens where Zalfir's knights pour into new Phyrexia to try and help our planeswalkers escape. But it, this costs Ren her life. And so Ren is kind of burned alive by the power of eight and is kind of consumed by it. But she does accomplish this one feat. And what she's able to do here, really cool. Because Zalfir has been missing from the multiverse. Like, no one's been able to travel to it. No one's been able to understand, like, where it is. Teferi ended up there by accident this time. Like, he's not even been able to planeswalk there. What Realmbreaker does, what Eight does, is Eight lassos. <laughs> this is not true, but kind of, right? Yeah, yeah. Lassos Zalfir in, pulls it in, and then takes Nuphorexia and like shoves it back out into that ether wherever Zalfir was. So they're able to trade places. And then all this stuff happens at once. So while all of this is happening, Realmbreaker has breached the multiverse. Yes. And there are battles happening on many of the planes that we see here. So we're about to start talking about murders at Karlov Manor. Well, Ravnica is where that that lives. And Ravnica is impacted by this invasion. We've got New Capenna that's impacted. New Capenna is really cool. They actually like bring down a skyscraper, the skyscrapers of the city onto Atraxa. Like the people who built it up, tear it down, which I, oh, I just love that. That's so good. And while this is happening, Teferi is fighting Vorinclex. A Johnny is actually kind of knocked out and taken alive by Zalfir, which is crazy. Rin is confirmed dead, but we get to see a little acorn pop up where Rin was. Yeah, she she has a little ache, like her her spirit. I like to think that it's her spirit was yes. contained in this little acorn that Teferi takes um, and replants. He pockets onto. it so yeah. gently yeah. and so lovingly and caringly. Yeah. And he uh, he ends up uh, planting it later, which yeah. is so beautiful. And I yeah. love that moment. Yeah. But also Nissa is taken alive. And then Natalie, do you want to tell us the most important part? Yeah. So this is this is all the climax. This is all the 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 big events coming to a head. This is all happening at once across the multiverse, which is which is crazy. It's madness. And <laughs> But Karn, um, Karn, we had seen him torn to pieces at the end of, you know, Dominary United. He'd kind of been subjected to disassembled. Norn. Yeah, like he's been disassembled yeah. and subjected to Norn this whole time. He's finally set free. He like he's finally set free by Teferi and the other planeswalkers in New Phyrexia. And he does the act that is probably the most important is that he destroys Elish Norn. He kind of, yeah, like he kind of beheads her, 
which is kind of awesome. Yeah. Well, she deserved it. She at this deserved point. it. Not she that deserved people it. deserve violence ever, yeah. but like, come on, she was a big baddie. Yeah. Um. This was this was really important for Karn to do because, as we had mentioned, yes. Karn blames himself for all of this happening because he, once upon a time, oopsie daisy made the Phyrexians. Um, Okay, let's talk about that for a second. I want to dig into that for just one second. And I know I'm taking us over because I have interrupted so much, Natalie. So if you didn't get this in 30 minutes, that is my fault, not yours. But I just want to say here that Karn accidentally brought the Phyrexians with him. He accidentally created the Phyrexians. He literally stepped in Phyrexian goop, oil, whatever it was. It was an accident. And then tracks it back home, basically. And that oil was sentient and eventually became the Phyrexians again. So he's blaming himself for essentially like, imagine like you step in dog poop and you bring it into your house and then the whole world goes to hell because you <laughs> dog poop in. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just a, it's a mistake. It it's was, not intentional. He wasn't like, I'm going to rub my shoe in this and then bring it with me. Completely intentional. And he didn't even realize he did it at the time. Right. When, when he first realized that the oil was sentient as well, he didn't realize that the Phyrexian influence was inherently evil like he didn't know that it was going to be such a devastating evil force within you know within i'm sure he would have mopped it right up and thrown it in the river or something you know like destroyed put in the fire whatever it took he he really did it It started no it started very innocent and did karn make mistakes oh yeah like oh yeah he definitely did we're not saying that karn is innocent you know me i'm i'm gonna not take karn's side (laughs) karn hater number one (laughs) i'm not not a karn hater i'm just i'm seeing the faults in karn where he's i'm a karn realist (laughs) (laughs) i'm not a hater i'm a realist (laughs) hero you know he is very there's very much faults within karn for sure and he made mistakes and he had opportunities to destroy phyrexia in the past and he didn't you know like Yes, like Karn has made mistakes along the way, but what it was, it was all started very innocently. And it is absolutely a little ridiculous that Karn would blame himself for everything that Phyrexia, all of the atrocities that Phyrexia yeah. had done in the time since. But he does. He, he blames does. it on himself. He sure does. And he bears the responsibility over like what Elish Norn did was my fault because I created her, her kind a long time ago. And how we end March of the Machine, how we end the Phyrexian invasion is that he does destroy Elish Norn. It's kind of cathartic for him to be able to kind of come full circle. Cathartic to rip also, her head off. That's, yeah, cathartic to rip her head off. Honestly. Like, I get that. Yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> yeah. like, he, he, he saves the multiverse in many ways. But what's more important is that he ends up saving his best friend, Ajani. So... Um, yeah. Harless had said before that they had taken Ajani and Nyssa alive. They are still Phyrexianized. Um, but after after Ren had taken New Phyrexia and threw it into the abyss, the glistening oil was rendered inert, um, meaning that it didn't work. And so all of the planeswalkers who were Phyrexianized, they're like in a coma almost, right? Like they're just asleep and no, they're not moving. And everyone's like, are they dead? And we don't are know they if they're back? dead or alive or whether Is they can even come back. spirit somewhere else yeah. or is their spirit locked in their body and they just can't access reality right now like what yeah. is happening no one really knows yeah but we mentioned malira earlier now malira she is one of the leaders of the resist the mirror and resistance but she also has this very special ability she can cure viresis now it's a time-consuming process it's very difficult and unfortunately malira was very 
very injured during this battle at the seed court. She was stabbed with a sword like through her side and it was a big gaping wound that they just they tried their best it just kept getting infected they just Malira's not going to make it and at this point they know it but Malira has one last gift to give our planeswalkers and she is going to use her ability to cure phyresis to try and save a johnny and nissa um and that combined with karn surrendering his spark his spark that allowed him to planeswalk which is basically his essence in many ways he's giving that up to give it back to a Johnny, um, his best friend. And so it's this it's this beautiful sacrificial moment where he's going to save his best friend and Malira sacrifices herself in this last moment. She dies in this in this transfer of healing power um, in order to cure a Johnny and Nyssa of phyresis. Um, and a Johnny is saved. He he is cured of phyresis. He the spark reignites within him and he wakes up as a Johnny. Um, and so we have a Johnny back. Unfortunately, something happens with Nissus. Um, Nissus spark doesn't quite, it's, it's a little bit destroyed in the process and it doesn't quite wake her up in the way that a Johnny, in, in the way that a Johnny had. Which is so interesting because a Johnny was actually Phyrexianized for way longer than Nissa, but yeah. it doesn't matter. That's not, that's not what the, the fact, the important factor is here apparently. Yeah. And, um, so many days pass where Nissa hasn't woken up yet. Um, and Chandra, of course, is by her side the whole time. And but finally, finally, Nissa does wake up um, and uh, she and Chandra are finally together at the end of March of the Machine, too. Um, and they have they have a quick episode in the in the aftermath, which is the epilogue that kind of explains a little bit of this is that we find out that because of the events of Ren and Realmbreaker breaching the multiverse like they did. Um, and possibly Elspeth, who had taken the Silex and it had detonated in the Blind Eternities um, before she returned as an angel. There's suddenly now all of the sparks are gone from our planeswalkers, meaning they cannot traverse the multiverse anymore. But in their place are now what's called omen paths, which are portals that breach planes, sort of like how Realmbreaker was able to breach planes, but now anyone can pass through them. Um, you don't have to be a planeswalker to traverse planes anymore. And so this changes the rules of the multiverse forever over the fact that planeswalkers are now a very, very rare thing where the, the sparks are gone. Only a few planeswalkers have managed to keep their sparks. Chandra is one of them. A Johnny is one of them. Everybody else has lost their ability to traverse the multiverse. But there are omen paths that bridge, that are kind of like static portals that bridge the multiverse now. Apparently, I can, as we know now, because we've heard all of Lost Caverns of Ixalan, I can walk in a portal in Wild in Eldraine and pop out in Ixalan. Yes. Apparently. Yes. And this has never existed before in the magic multiverse. No, ever. this is this, this so rule cool. changes everything. Yeah, it really does because now you don't have to be a planeswalker to visit another plane. Like imagine that I mean it's literally like probably what it was like before we had like, you know, really intense ship travel and air travel and things like that. Like you like you know that other continents exist, but we don't have a bare we thought the world was flat y'all like we you know can you imagine like all the things that they don't know that they think they know about all the different planes yes and also like you know we're probably going to discover some we've never seen before mm -hmm. um a normal person 
you and Natalie and I could just walk into an omen path and end up on another plane. Yeah. Because you don't have to have that planeswalker ability to get through the blind eternities anymore. It's not a power anymore. It's just a Yeah. It's just a it's just a door. It's a, a, it's a walkway. It's yeah, a walkway. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a doorway now through the multiverse. And these exist yeah. all over. That's the biggest piece to understand from the Phyrexian invasion um, is that the, it, it changed everything of the rules of the multiverse going forward. It's It was kind of a clean slate as well because Phyrexia decimated so much of the multiverse. Like every plane was affected. Every this was this was the event that breached the multiverse on a scale through which not even War of the Spark, you know, uh, was able to accomplish and Nicol Bolas. It's it's a significant change in the rules of the multiverse. Um, and so that's 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 something to keep in mind in that going forward, you know, like like Harla said. Regular everyday people can use the omen paths and wind up on different planes, which means, you know, the concept of the multiverse is more well known now. You know, it used to be that only planeswalkers knew that other realms existed and other planes existed. And so as we go forward into into new stories and magic and as we as we venture further and deeper into the multiverse, as we do on this podcast, the Phyrexian invasion is where all of this started. And we still have so many questions that have not been answered. We still have yet to find out about the fate of many of our planes um, as, as we go forward in future seasons, which I'm very excited about. Absolutely. It's going to be so much fun going forward. Next up, we are going to take you guys to Ravnica to talk about murders at Karlov Manor, which is a murder mystery set that I am so excited for. So excited. It's going to be amazing. As always, if you want to go back and read the entirety of the Phyrexian arc, our world building team created an ebook for you to be able to do just that. So you don't have to go to the individual story pages. You can just download that ebook and you can get started right away. You can find that on mtgstory.com. This will be our last episode of the season because it will be the last episode of the year. We hope you all have a wonderfully beautiful holiday season and a great new year. And we will see you next year when we dive in to Murders at Carlove Manor. But until then, have, have a magical, magical day. day.